We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Sam, listeners, Lightyear's podcast, do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How do you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. The mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when your beer is cold. Wow, that's amazing. That way, you always know when it's time to chill. When you need to hit reset, just open up a Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment and made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. And as always, celebrate. Welcome to the Light Ears Podcast. Samus Fandiari here. I am joined by Aaron Larsoul. We're recording this Sunday night, 5 p.m., halftime of the Knicks-Atlanta Hawks game. Um, some news and notes before we get into the pod. Andy and I will be doing two to three recordings a week during the offseason. We will still be having locker room listener interactive shows. Details of that is to follow. Also, if you haven't checked it out, we officially launched a Light Years merchandise store. We have three t-shirts up there right now, official Light Years logo shirt, a uh, Steph Better shirt, and we will have hats, we'll have hoodies. There'll be a lot of stuff in there. As always, link will be in our link tree that's linked directly to all our social media accounts. So feel free to check by there. Um, I think there's some good stuff on there. Uh, if you're a fan, I'm sure you'll enjoy it. But oh yeah, I'm gonna need. I'm gonna need. I'm gonna need. I, I got to put my order in. You know, I got to support. I'm putting my order in. I appreciate it, Aaron. Okay, we've now had a couple days to marinate on Sunday's disappointing overtime loss to the Memphis Grizzlies. Long off season ahead. A lot of decisions for the Warriors. Honestly, I kind of feel like we should probably slow play this. It's not like any of these decisions are going to be made next week. So there's a lot of time to expand and really get into this. But with the playoffs going on, um, there's just there's just so much to talk about here. So I want to start with a Steve Kerr quote. Steve Kerr gave this quote Friday after the game. I think this season was absolutely a success. We would have loved to make the playoffs and try to make a run. Says the emergence of role players makes this a successful season considering next year's goals. I'm going to paraphrase it a little farther. I think his, his general point was we discovered some players and feel like we're going to go into next season in better position 
to put together a roster to compete. What are your thoughts on? Do you consider the season a success for the Warriors? No, no. I mean, he's lying. Uh, he's not completely lying because I think it is meaningful that the Warriors discovered JTA and Jordan Poole. Um, and those guys both look like uh, rotation pieces on decent team on at least at minimum, a decent team next year right. and coming into this year. Uh, you didn't know what you had with, with a lot of guys. So I think that is meaningful long-term, but no, the season's not a success. Steph Curry, uh, there's a reasonable argument for Steph Curry to win the MVP. He's obviously going to finish top three. Draymond uh, finished is going to finish top three. He's not going to win defensive player of the year, but he's going to finish top three. Uh, so if you have a top three MVP candidate and a top three defensive player of the year candidate, and you don't make the playoffs under no circumstances, can it be considered a success? And I would argue, even if we were under the old rules and they were the eight seed, short of pulling a couple rounds of upsets, I wouldn't have considered it a success either. Um, pulling it back, I will say this. I do think one thing was successful for the Warriors this offseason. I think there was a, a legitimate sentiment that Steph and Draymond were past their primes. Um, Steph missed all of last year at the hand injury, and he's 33 years old. Guards his size typically do not age well into their 30s. Now we're seeing Correct. Chris Paul yeah. play awesome. Uh, Steve Nash obviously won MVP at 33. I always felt confident that Steph could be productive into his mid-30s. But with that said, other NBA players were probably wondering, you know, is this the beginning of the end with him? And with Draymond Green, even more so because we all know he's undersized and everyone's always kind of wondering when is he not going to be able to do those things on defense that make him special. I think at minimum, they did accomplish the goal of showing other players around the league that Steph is still one of these, one of the four or five dudes who can lead a contender. Draymond showed he's not washed up he can still lead a team defensively i think if you're looking at it from a holistic perspective they accomplished their goal going into the offseason that they are now there's a more attractive destination than they were last year yes i know i agree with that i think that's right but that's also kind of an ancillary goal they 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 talked going into the year and when i say they i mean steve kerr the front office ownership the players, uh, Steph and Draymond. Yeah. That the, the goal was, you know, they thought they had a chance to be really good. And they were going to try to get into next year. Uh, I mean, get into the future. They were trying to thread the needle and bridge the gap between the two eras and do uh, at the same time. And they did neither. Um, Wiseman looked worse as we went along than he, than he looked at the beginning. Um, uh, at the beginning of the season, the Warriors got their brains beat in in a couple games. And it seemed very quickly like the goals kind of shifted. But but this is a team that thought, you know, all the, the Kevin Peltons of the world and all of that, a lot of the, the projections had the Warriors 11th and 13th and some going to the West. Right. So, and so I think the team thought that was ridiculous. And I think that they expected to be a five or six seed. Um, so, no, they did. Like, it is great that, that Steph still showed he can be that dude. And Dre still showed he can be that dude uh, in a different way. And I think that is meaningful going forward for, for one of the reasons that you said, especially because it seems like uh, that can help attract some of those ring chasers, especially with Clayback. However, I think the Warriors culture and the Warriors reputation is no longer, I think it's about Steph entirely. It's no longer, I don't think they're going to get ring chasers anymore. I think they're going to get guys that want to play with Steph um, and want to be on a good team and it's fun. 
but I don't think they're going to get ring chasers anymore. If you go, if you miss the playoffs two years in a row, I think that like Warriors culture is dead. They are definitely or, or dor- dormant at best. They are just being realistic about it, unless they swing some major move that puts another superstar across from Steph. They are somewhere as like a tier two destination for me right now. Mm-hmm. Um, just being realistic with it, like uh, the Lakers and Nets are going to be more attractive if you're purely ring chasing. Could probably throw Philly Absolutely. in. There. Well, I don't know. Philly could have another meltdown. Right, the but then the other issue with Philly is like, like people would rather play in San Francisco and live in the Bay Area than sure. and LA and Miami and even Phoenix, etc. Other than Philly, um, the problem for the Warriors is that you're right about Steph and Draymond, and that is meaningful. But as far as chasing free agents and getting guys at a discount, as the Warriors are going to have to do, because you know, of all the, the, the guaranteed contracts, the cap situation. Yeah. Right. So the, the problem is anything that, that clay would add to that. And clay certainly will add to that, but anything that clay adds to it is speculative because nobody will have seen him play by the time these guys are making their decisions. I mean, maybe they will have seen him, you know, the rumors will be going around in pickup, but you know, all of that's going to happen before training camp and before actual NBA games. So any, anybody that makes their decision, because of what clay theoretically is going to add. And I do think clay is going to add a lot. Um, it is speculative. Yeah. So I want, this actually ties in perfectly to friend of the show, Tim Kawakami's article. He threw out this line. They'll want to add one to two more dependable veterans on this roster. More grownups is a term mm-hmm. I've heard. Mm-hmm. So let's start there. I think one of one of the reasons the season went as sideways as it went for the Warriors is every team has a couple pet development projects. Um, every playoff team does, you know, like the, the Clippers have Terrence Mann, who's sure, kind of someone they play. were, well, they're, they're, they're hoping they can break into the rotation. Right. But like, it's not like a Talon Horton Tucker on the Lakers, the Lakers would like him to earn a spot, but he's like their pet project. They're not counting on him. If it doesn't happen, it doesn't happen. Sure. Yeah. yeah the Warriors fair. had probably 10 of those maybe eight on this roster. Like there are a bunch of pet projects and they on the Warriors roster. A couple of them, a a couple of them absolutely proved they could play in my opinion. Like we can argue about what Jordan Poole's ceiling is, but he showed he at least deserves to be in an NBA rotation. Yeah. I mean, I I called him for a while after last year and then the G league early part of this year. Yeah. Yeah. I I called him uh, a four a player because I thought he was too good for the G league and not quite good enough. Um, I still have my concerns, especially defensively, but he is a perfect fit alongside Steph because forever, for as long as Steph has, basically for as long as Steph has been there, they just had nobody else that would initiate offense and go get a bucket on their own. Obviously, Kevin Durant, but even even those Kevin Durant and Clay Thompson and Draymond Green offenses, as soon as Steph left the floor, they weren't any good. So I think he is. there is a path there with Jordan Poole to reliable offense to stay afloat when if it continues like it does in the six minutes um in in the second quarter and fourth quarter that that he's going to sit um but your point is is well taken that you just like if you're going to be good you cannot have 
this many pet projects and you cannot expect them and, like, and, like, and smiley and even pool and right. damian lee and molder and jta like and, and Pas- looney pascal, and pascal. like all these dudes health. basically all these dudes other than steph dre and clay are basically pet projects and they've had they've had some free roles on some of them um but i think that's also and wiseman obviously but i think that's an interesting question that is I know you've talked about, I think it's Maples that has brought this up on your show a bunch before. Um, like you can't, they can't add another pet project. You can't go get the fifth pick or the sixth pick. And see, I would, like- this is where I disagree. I think they can, but it really needs to be like, we got Jonathan Kuminga and James Wiseman. And that's it for the projects. Everyone else okay, yeah, is no, like a yeah, veteran. Exactly. Yes, exactly right. It, you can you can have Wiseman and Kuminga or... Sure, know, whoever, I'm just pick, picking an insert, name, right? insert, 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 insert... High upside uh, prospect. High yeah. upside rookie. You can do that, but then you can't... You cannot do that and be giving minutes to Michael Mulder and Damian Lee and, I mean, JTA, whatever, fine. But like, and Mannion and keep a roster spot for Smite. Like, you can't do both of those things. I think yeah. you, I think you can have Wiseman and Kuminga, let's say, on the sure. roster. That's fine, but you can't have a roster around all of that that requires you to depend on those guys. And, and then it gets back to the main issue, which is it's not that you want to trade the pick; it's that what are your avenues to get those grown-ups you want, mm-hmm. which don't involve giving away picks. Uh, when I'm looking at this roster right now, I just kind of want to go through who we have as grown-ups on it going into next year. Obviously, okay. Steph Curry. Draymond Green, um, Clay Thompson, like, when he yeah. comes back, is a grown-up. Looney is a grown-up. Yeah, we, we can. Looney knows what to do. He's not any good, but he knows. He knows. Oh come on, man! He knows where he's. He knows where he's they're, supposed to be, and he they're knows, overplaying. He knows Looney, how to play. He's a reliable. Exactly. Yeah, I agree. Pick. I agree. With um, that. Yes. Wiggins is a grown-up. We can debate. Wiggins. Yeah. We can debate. You know, if they should be spending max money on him or anything like that, but yeah, like but, objectively. Uh, Actually, I want to talk about Wiggins. I That's thought he sunk play- cost, right? So I thought he played. I thought he played excellent against the Lakers. I thought he was inconsistent against Memphis, and that's just kind of who Wiggins is. So I guess a perfect way to sum him up. I, I agree. Thought his defense I, agree with, on, I agree with all of that. You can't really ask for better defense on LeBron than what he gave you on Wednesday night. You know, yeah, obviously LeBron was a little limited, but like in general, he has outside of the top wing defenders. He's been as good as anyone at kind of being the man who picks up the other team's best guy. I think it is fair, especially that was kind of the uh, he's had a, he had a good season. Um, he didn't score as much as he had in previous years, but he scored more efficiently. And I think he was somewhere between good to very good and occasionally excellent as a defender all season. Um taking on the toughest or second toughest matchups, especially after Kelly Oubre was was uh her out for the season hurt his wrist a bunch um and even I, when so I, Uber, and even when Uber was there Wiggins was almost always better on yes set yes. assignment anyway I, I liked I liked the fact that you know I talked about it I liked the fact that Wiggins was kind of just steady and was always in front of his guy and Ubre was a guy that was just so annoying made some mistakes but also had a bunch of blocks and a bunch of steals and was always in your jersey and was making athletic plays so the kind of yin and yang that the, the options that it gave to defensively other, definitely yeah yeah the options that it gave the warriors to throw at other ball handlers or wings um with the different looks i think was important but so i think the lakers game was a punctuation on wiggins season 
and it really was kind of like proof of concept. Right. He can, right? You're not going to get any better big wing. And the league is dominated by big wings. You're not going to get any better big wing than LeBron James. And so for a lot of the game, Wiggins had him in jail um, and, you know, scored reasonably well in the game also. So I think um, that was kind of proof of concept. And it really like put the cherry on top of the season and said, yes, this guy is somebody that can be depended on as a grown up going forward. And then he was kind of eh, against Memphis, but. I, in some ways he's, I've described it on the show as a poor man's Paul George, where mm-hmm. a phenomenal defender because you you can you can never scheme him off the floor defense. He can pick up multiple assignments. Like he's mm-hmm. he's never gonna be a weakness that way. Super athletic, but will just just like Paul George, it's like I don't care. You're just never gonna get them to stop taking jumpers. They're never gonna yeah, they be don't. A guy, they're never gonna be a guy who's you're always gonna feel like they should have got to the rim more. They don't, they're both guys that do not use their athletic gifts on offense to, Im, to impose on the game. Right. Um, but I thought Wiggins did that a little bit more in the, the end of the season. You saw, uh, I mean, he was a, he's a terrible rebounder for a guy, his size and athletic right. ability, but you know, he was getting some tip dunks and, and then in, in the Lakers game, you saw him really putting his body on LeBron blocking LeBron shot led to a shot clock violation. So yeah, I think it, I guess the point is I, I agree with you. Um, I think it's a good comparison, but I think it is fair to nudge Wiggins into the like grown up can be dependent on going forward category. I think he's a solid B player in the NBA who makes a money. That's generally who is at this point. Sure. Yeah. But like, that's Joe Lakeup's money. So like, I don't care what he makes at this well, point as insofar as whatever. I mean, I understand that how it affects, you know, the, the rest reason, of the, roster the reason it, ma- the reason it matters is I'm trying to get to this point. We've named five grownups. One is off of two devastating leg injuries. Mm-hmm. One has had more hip surgeries than any 25 year old should ever have. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, I just don't see, like, okay, so hopefully- I think JTA better. is a grown up, by the way, too. I think yeah. JTA can be included in that conversation. As a he is a grown up. He, he's not going to score 20 points. I don't know how much better he's going to get than he is, but- you can throw him out there and be comfortable with the fact that he will execute his assignment at a reasonably good yes. level. Yeah. Um, so, okay. Jordan throw- Poole is, Jordan Poole's a better player than JTA. I would right. not call, I would not consider him a grown up. No, no. Um, but I do feel comfortable with Jordan Poole in a quasi six man role going into next year. So, I agree. you know, I think he has higher upside than that too, but like, let's just keep it, you know, safe for next year. If he's giving you 15 to 20 minutes off the game of offense, happy if he plays so well that you're forced to play him more that's a good problem to have yeah I, I think it's I think the expectation probably for Jordan Poole next year I think he scored something like 10 11 points a game this year I think I, I think I think a reasonable expectation for him next year is 14 to 16 a game sure. off the bench um I I, I mean I, I don't know if this was a shot at Ubre or like kind of a subliminal <laughs> shot at Ubre from Kerr but Kerr you know, basically said he's going to be our sixth man going forward. So I think it's, I think it's fair to expect pool to play, you know, 22, 24, 26 minutes a night and, and get you 14, 16 points a night. So what I'm, it's, yeah. I, and I agree with you. So what I'm getting at here is we're naming five to six players. We feel confident will be on the roster next year. All, everything on some level hedges on clay's health. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
I, I don't know how many avenues they have to add. I think they need more than two grownups is what I'm getting at here. Oh yeah, I no, think, I, I agree with you. I think they could, yeah, two grownups if we're talking about one of them being an all-star. But um, <laughs> sure, sure. But as it stands, I think they need more players than just two going forward. Yeah, um, and also like maybe Ubre is back, maybe he's not. I happen to suspect. I think it is less it's, likely yeah, not, than yeah. yeah. <laughs> they're they're just hoping like, to get a trade exception out of them to maybe add or 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 perhaps a a, a sign and trade. Um, right. I I think it is asset mismanagement if they let him walk for nothing because if 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 you let him walk for nothing, then you should have traded him for a second round pick um, at the trade deadline, even if you couldn't get Lonzo or whatever. So uh, putting him aside, I I agree with you. I think you need. Uh, I think I, I think the like I would like a kind of like just steady third point guard probably I think you want to let Jordan Poole play point guard be the backup point guard I would like kind of a steady guy um, in what everyone but me hoped uh, Brad Monomaker would be kind of in that role somebody who is actually like a grown up and decent yeah um, I, and I a wing and a big of, I think you I need get at the least idea three. of what they wanted with Wanamaker he just wasn't it <laughs> correct. Uh, yeah, one of these days on the uh, I'm gonna release the the transcripts of our our text about Brad Watermaker. <laughs> release the screenshots. Um, I just I think I think they need three. I think I think they need uh, a third point guard that's a grown up. Uh, I think they need a another wing and and a big. And I don't know how much the big would play, but just to have the option so you don't have to run into a situation like this again next year. I, I don't know that wise and you know, I'm the biggest wise men stand, sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. but, but I don't know that you can count there. on him. Yeah. yeah you also I, I don't wanna, know that you can count on him. You also want to vet just to make it easier for him. And, um, and even like, even if Wiseman's great, right. He's coming off a knee injury that he's not going to really have an off season. Um, and the fact that they're just down to Looney and that's it. Now they've kind of like fallen into something that works, which probably should have been done earlier, but you see what happened. You you just get beat up on the glass. So having the option to have another big body, and I don't think Marquise Chris is it. Having another big body as, as an option as a grown up, and those guys are not that difficult to find. Centers like grown up. Yeah, centers. that that should not be the mid level exception. Correct. The way I see it. that should be correct. You should be able to coerce someone at a veterans minimum to buy you some time there. A, a Dwight Howard, correct. a Javale McGee. Um, hey, I mean, they had JaVale in the past, but anyway, yes, yeah, yeah, you get my point. Three time, three time champ, JaVale McGee. Imagine saying that a decade ago. <laughs> oh, imagine Shaq having to say that. <laughs> um, so, so this kind of gets to my point, which is I don't know how they get those grown ups to compete without trading Wiggins. I think it's going to be tough for them. And I'm not saying they need to trade Wiggins because he's not good. Um, it's, it's a cap issue where yeah. you would like that 30 million split over two to three players mm-hmm. who can be good for you. Like as yeah, you know, I saw when, like the Warriors, interesting- when the Warriors were competing and the cap was at this number, they were paying Livingston, eight mil, Igudala 16, you could probably throw in some mid-level exception guys they've had right. for five. That's the same as Wiggins' salary right there. And that's how you – this is how you get from strength in numbers to strength in four guys, you know? So I saw uh, something on Twitter yesterday or the day before. Um, I think it was yesterday after the, uh, the Clippers lost to Dallas. Uh, 
a lot of people thought that Kawhi was going to go to the Lakers. And, right. and this person's assertion was not just because the Clippers had lost, but that, that Kawhi not coming to the Lakers did the Lakers a favor because instead of having AD and LeBron and Kawhi and there's your entire cap, basically, like the Warriors do, it allowed them to spread the money around a little bit um and have so, 10 10 11 players honestly right they so you so, so the lakers are the lakers are much deeper so yeah i think the the answer to to your question possibly is um you hope you get one grown-up with whatever you can do with Ubre's salary spot whether that's Ubre, whether that's a sign and trade, whether that's a trade exception, get an exception and yeah. get like a Evan Fournier down the line. Like this. You hope that's the, right. So you hope you get, you hope you get Celtics one in like two, two years. Yeah. <laughs> the Celtics are going to get everybody. They're just hoarding assets. They're, they're waiting for that one big move. Uh, Next off season, man. You hope, so you hope one of, you hope one of them is uh, that Ubre salary spot. And again, maybe that's Ubre. I don't know. Maybe it's Ubre. I, I sure. tend to sure, but it could be. Uh, so you hope you get one there. You hope you get one. Finally, for the, it seems like the first time in forever, the Warriors are actually going to have some exceptions that they can use in the offseason. So you hope that uh, you hope that you can get one through one of the exceptions, depending on what that because and then you hope you get one through, you know, the the veteran minimum things you hope you get one decent player. Out that of one guy, that one guy who really wants to play Steph Curry. Yeah, I mean, like, whether that's Last year, you know, I know the Warriors went after Baines and Gasol and Ibaka. Ibaka was going to cost more, but, sure. um, you know, one of those type guys. And I think the most likely outcome is the guy that you can get on the cheap is probably a center because there are plenty of just league average, decent centers on the market. Someone's going to fall through the cracks. Yeah. Yes. Okay. That makes sense. So I think I, but I think, I think uh, like three is the, an, is the minimum answer. And that's assuming Clay is, you know, a reasonable version of himself. Real sports fans love fantasy sports, but unfortunately, most fantasy sports platforms don't show that same love back, favoring the sharks and professionals over the casual fans. Super draft. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Fantasy Sports is here to change that narrative with their new single game featured Champion Mode Contest. Focus on drafting the players you know from the games that matter to you with no salary cap considerations when determining your lineup. Superdraft believes that the players, not the pros, deserve to win money and they have the highest player win percentage in DFS to prove it. Sign up with Superdraft today, start playing, and win big. New players can use the code STEPHBETTER upon sign up and receive a $25 instant match on your first deposit. Also, don't miss out on their free to play sports book available in all 50 states to win prizes from a VIP stay at a Caesars Hotel property to a PlayStation 5. 
Superdraft is available on both iOS and Android devices. Promo code Steph Better. Look, no one's perfect. Even the best baseball players strike out with the bases loaded. The best golfers sometimes three-pot with the tournament on the line. So if you feel like you're coming up short in the bedroom sometimes, it's perfectly okay. But if it's bothering you, there are options. Go to roman.com slash lightyears now. With Roman, you can get a free online evaluation and ongoing care for ED, all from the comfort and privacy of your home. A U.S. licensed healthcare professional will work with you to find the best treatment plan. If medication is appropriate, it ships to you free with two-day shipping. The whole process is straightforward and discreet. Getting started is simple. Just go to getroman.com slash lightyears and complete an online visit. Take care of your ED without leaving your home. Complete an online visit today to connect with the doctor and take care of it. Go to getroman.com slash lightyears and get $15 off your first month. Look, there's a straightforward way to take care of your ED. Getroman.com slash lightyears. Get started now to save $15 off your first month of treatment. Now, this brings to what I think is the far more interesting conversation, which is we're all watching the playoffs right now. Mm -hmm. What should Warrior fans be watching for in terms of team building in the playoffs? See, I have this theory that war, the, war, the Warriors changed basketball 2014 to 16. Yes. Everyone caught up to them, mm -hmm. but they had the trump card, which was Kevin Durant. So they did not have to necessarily think about the game mm -hmm. in ways that other teams have. What I'm saying at is what skill set should they be looking for? Because I don't think they can run back a quasi strength in numbers squad where there's no ball handling, where it's really just like precision passing and Steph and clay running off of screens forever. Yeah, like, that I, think I, mean. they, I think they need to adapt and adapt on evolve. From yeah, there. yeah, that's yeah. So, because I'm looking at all these playoff teams, none of these teams are as good as the KD Warriors, but I would argue the league average right now is a hell of a lot higher than it was in 2016. Like, yes, the and average, I think that is the Warriors are those Warriors teams are responsible for that because everybody had to try to catch up and play a way that is empirically better. Um, I think the thing to watch is all right. So a lot of these teams have have their stars, right? There's LeBron and AD and Luca and Dame and KD and Bob, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Right? All the best teams have the best players. Um, but I think Shocking. what is important, for, yeah, funny how that works. I think what is important for the Warriors fans and for Warriors decision makers in front office, the thing that the Warriors have done very poorly in the last five, six, seven years, uh, maybe even a little longer than that, is the margins. The Warriors have failed along the margins. It right. didn't matter. It didn't matter when you had Steph making $11 million a year so you could get KD and Clay and Draymond and Iguodala and Livingston, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But where the Warriors have – Jordan Poole is a step in the right direction. JTA is a step in the right direction. But um, all those failed late-round picks, um, all the, the Omri Caspi move where he just won't shoot, like all the like little fringe stuff around the edges, you'll notice in the playoffs – that stuff matters, right? 
Alex Caruso, the, the Lakers found in the G League. He started the game six of the finals where the Lakers sure. won it. That's like all of that stuff. You know, we're watching the Knicks game now and, and quickly's going nuts. Like the stuff around the margins, all the little moves matter. Um, you know, like Miami, Kendrick Nunn is there and Duncan Robinson, all like the 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 stuff along Tyler the Tyler Hero was a what number 14 pick. He yeah, especially year, especially <laughs> in aggregate, right? Yeah. Like you can get one or two of those wrong, but if you get a bunch of those right and get some momentum with it, uh, all of those moves in the aggregate really add up to something or don't add you up could to something argue, in the Warriors' case. You could argue that's 100% why Memphis won. Um, yeah, they have they have more good players than the Warriors. The Memphis, Warriors have the best Memphis players. Had, uh, Memphis, John Morant played well enough to like get to 85% of what Steph did that night, something like that, enough yeah. so that their depth took them home. Like Grayson Allen is a better player at this stage than Kent Bazemore, Michael yes. Mulder, Desmond Bain was a great yes. pick on their behalf. I mean, yeah. they have, you could argue, well, the Warriors definitely had the best player in the series. That's not, or in the match, that's not a question. And the Warriors uh, might have the best player in the world. Yeah, exactly. My, my point is all it took was John Morant having that one night where he comes close enough to matching staff that sure. their depth mattered. Sure. And then the rest of it. And then the, yeah. And then what I'm talking about, everything on the fringes matter. Um, picking the right guy 28th or picking the and right that's, guy 14th. And that's, or, and that's where I get a little worried because they're like, we feel we know what we need for last year. It's like, I hope it's not in the context of Steph averaging 37 a game because a lot of what happened in the last part of the season was Steph had a two month run that could match anyone's two month run that yes. history. And that's just not a sustainable, that's just it not is a sustainable. Not. No, model. like, could that happen again? Could Steph do this He's again? He's going to have year? a run at some point I next year. Could he like, do it again? Maybe I wouldn't bet on it. In fact, probably not just because do you want like, the him history to, of, do you want him to do it again? Like he, he was, he was I personally with, do hold on. I personally do want well, him to do course. it again because yeah. I, there is almost nothing more fun than me for me than watching the Warriors play when Steph does it. Like I'm a grown man that has worked in the NBA for however long. And I giggle just like a, uh, like a kid when Steph is doing his, his thing. Um, so yes, I do want him to do it again, but it's not a reliable strategy as we saw. Cause even Steph was doing it now. He had a season that was, similar as good better maybe a little worse than his unanimous mvp season and it wasn't good enough so it is certainly i hope for the warriors sake they are not relying on that as a strategy uh is do i think steph is going to be great again yes do i think that people should be encouraged that it looks like his prime is not closing but we're just right in the middle of it yeah i think that's encouraging well, but if I, you're expecting think- him to do this again mm, I just don't know if his body can hold up on that type of work. I think this is the the point I'm trying to get to with the league being better today than it was four years ago. Uh, the floor is higher. Mm-hmm. There's not a, the business model of like 20, 20 years ago where it's like Kobe Bryant is going to get 25 to 30 shots a night and we're going to put a bunch of goons around him. Mm-hmm. You could make the playoffs and make noise with you know that or like Allen Iverson Iverson's whole career and you could also get that. you could also sell out your building and so yeah there was ownership groups that didn't care I mean there still are some that don't care sure we can sell out our building we have one draw we, we do it like hockey right we have Wayne Gretzky yeah. and then we have Marty McSorley and like right. a bunch of and dudes it's, around and it's just and, like yeah. let's just get a bunch of dudes who can screen and rebound for him yeah. and 
I even a decade ago, I think that you could probably win 50 games. I don't know that you can do that anymore in the NBA with anyone, honestly. Like I think no, the floor, I, don't think I think the floor is too high. I think like you could put prime LeBron James on a team of goons who screen, and I think they win at least 15 games less than those 08, 09 Cavs did. Because yes. if you're not getting a baseline amount of shooting and ancillary playmaking. You're just not in the game. You're, well, I think like, that I think the the that like the the teams are going small now isn't really it's not a really accurate description of what's happening. It's skill. It's skill. Yeah. And the average NBA player, even from five years ago, has so much more skill than they did then that the difference between Steph or LeBron and whoever compared to the average player, I think that gap is smaller. And I also uh, think because like the he, average guy is so much more skilled than he was. I don't know, like even five years ago, five years ago, Enos Cantor got $70 million. Yeah. Today, did. that player is available for under a vet minimum. Or sorry, under, under no, the just, mid-level yeah, on, yeah, They're on the street. Those guys are on yeah. the street. Yeah. Yeah. You find one for two to three a year. Yeah, um, those, guys, those guys are on the street. Five to six years ago, if you had an elite defender who could hit 34% of their threes, you're like, that's a three and D guy. Now, I just, you have to be so special on defense to, you basically to be like Prime Iguodala or Draymond, which ironically the Warriors had both, um, <laughs> to get away with being that little of a shooting threat. Yeah, you almost positions. can't anymore because especially this year, you almost can't anymore. If you can't, if you're not any good offensively, you almost can't do it anymore um, because offense is continues to be more and more and more important than defense. And, and that gap, I think, is widening. It just matters. Offense just matters more than defense. Um, and, and the best teams were the best offensive teams as opposed to the best defensive teams this year. So I, I think that gap is, is going to widen. And, and you and I talked at the beginning of the season, right. the Warriors trying to surround, like, Steph can carry us on offense, and then we'll just put a bunch of guys around that we are going to guard. That we're gonna, yeah. yeah. And, and, and I kept telling you, no. You need to maximize Steph's offense. I don't care if Jordan Poole is not going to guard anybody. I don't care. Right? Like, I need Wiseman out there shooting threes if he's going to be out there. I, you got to give whatever minutes Steph is on the floor, you need to maximize his offense because it just matters more. That's how you win games in the NBA now. It's not particularly and, and particularly with how it's officiated, we, we never mentioned this one, but it's like the overemphasis on freedom of movement. Like, you can't goon up someone defensively the way you could a decade ago and mm-hmm. that's fine but you have to i want to liken this to the nfl the way the nfl officiates almost makes secondary play irrelevant like all defensive play in the nfl has to do with the pass rush because yep. you can't even have a legion of boom type defense like you could have prime cam chancellor and richard sherman and those guys they couldn't do the things today that they could do a decade ago they just can't no they used to right they used to they were coached to interfere on every play they were it's literally coached and they're like they're not going to call yeah. they're not going to call it right now, exactly you, now you can't touch anybody uh, i think that is i think that is similar and i'm not like i think it's smart for the nba right despite what some people say about uh about the social justice I, stuff and how nobody watches the nba anymore they're, they're like that's not true. And I think it's smart for the NBA to tend towards offense. Cause that's I what actually, do, see. I personally don't like it. Like I like a little resistance in my basketball, but mm-hmm. like with, with that said, like 
you're not supposed to build a team based off like my ideological preferences. It's supposed to build a team that's going to get you results, right? Correct. Like, and that's and and I think that uh, bringing it back to the Warriors specifically now in the last few years, I think that's been the problem is that they have very badly, and it's the name of your podcast, right? They've wanted to prove how smart they are and be ahead right. of everybody else. And they've wanted to win on their terms and not. So I, I used to, uh, when I lived, uh, grew up in San Francisco and my brother and I used to go to A's games when we were driving back, this is whatever, 25, 30 years ago, sure. uh, 25 years ago, when we were driving back, we'd listen to love lines, you know, the, the radio show back in the day, right? <laughs> I forgot and about so love lines. One of, one of the things that stuck with me driving back over the Bay bridge, back to, back to the city. But one of the things that always stuck with me is Corolla and Dr. Drew, they both might be weirdos, but whatever. What, something that stuck with me is they used to always tell people deal with reality on reality's terms, right? Like not what you hope it should be or think it should be. Right. Like what right. is it okay, actually? Yeah. And so the with the Warriors, like <laughs> with the Warriors, it's like, what is it actually? It doesn't like, fine. We want to play this way. We think it's better. Okay, fine. But that doesn't work right now. That doesn't work anymore. So I think it is time for the Warriors to start dealing with reality on reality's terms and get again, maybe ahead of the curve again. And I just want to, and, and, and to tie this back to, to Andrew Wiggins, who I, again, I'm a huge fan of his game. I'm, I'm a huge fan of what he's done for the Warriors. I think he's a little underrated. Mm-hmm. How valuable is that wing defense in context of a shooter's league? And it just makes me wonder if their only move to build a contender around the core, which is valuable to them. It doesn't sound like they want to break up their core unless they get, you know, the, unless, you know, sure. Milwaukee the calls them yeah. and they're like, man, we really want Draymond for Giannis, you know, like, right. like unless <laughs> Milwaukee loses in the first round or the Clippers yeah, exactly. lose in the first round. Or... Yeah. Hey, hey. <laughs> anyway, but, but you follow what I'm saying. Yeah. Um, I all, I wonder if their best route to get, the talent to truly replenish the roster and give Kerr and staff and the whole team kind of like the options to play in a more souped up offensive era involves trading Wiggins, huge contract, nothing against Wiggins. He's been useful. It's just kind of like you're, you're not under the cap. So someone has, something has to give. Yes. There has to be, there has to be a cap casualty of that. Um, Yeah. I mean, I, I would trade, Wiggins before Draymond before Clay obviously before Steph but um it depends I mean you you uh, but part of the problem is like if you trade Wiggins it's kind of like two steps forward and one step back right because then you still like because then now we're still missing it like there's a dearth of uh, adults as it is and so if you trade one of them well I wouldn't be I wouldn't be um I'm not suggesting trading him for like picks, you know, <laughs> like, I'm, no, yeah. but no, but even if they trade him, right. Like go trade him for throwing a name like Bradley Beal, right. You trade mm. him for Bradley Beal. Bradley Beal is obviously a wonderful player, um, but you still need more adults, right. Cause that's like, you're giving up an adult or a guy we've said is probably an adult. They still need more adults. E- like even what about, what about something scenario. like that? What about something like the, the Pacers? Let's say they want to blow it up. Would you? I know. Would I, know you, I know. I know both of y'all. You and Andy both love the 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 Brogdon and Miles, Miles Turner. Turner. Yeah. I know yeah. Y'all both, yeah. Uh, That's not doing it for you. Yeah. No. I think. Well. What's What's the deal? It's It's your Wiggins and and the picks for. Let's say you have to throw the Wolves pick in there. Yeah. You're, so you're talking about. Uh, so you're it's Wiggins, Wiseman, the Wolves pick, and. Maybe uh, look at that alliteration um, for, for W's Brogdon only and, here for Brogdon and Turner. Yeah. 
Too much? That's tough. That's... I consider it. That's tough. I don't... That's not one where I say yes, definitely. Mm-hmm. Um, I also... I think part of, you know, we, we always say when you're doing, everybody's doing the trade machine is like, why is the other team going to do this? So knowing what we all know about Indiana and their goals, I don't know why Indiana does that. Because Indiana very specifically doesn't want to bottom out ever. Yeah. yeah. They're so, not interested like, they're, in playing they're, the they're, outside game with They're never going to win anything, but they also are not going to rebuild. So okay. they're, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know that. I, that is interesting. I mean, I think that's, I think that's a worthwhile consideration, but um, I don't think Indiana is that interested in Wiggins and a bunch of kids. Okay. All right. We're going to leave it here. We're going to have a lot more off-season content. Once again, check out the Lightyear store. We're going to post. Um, we're going to have another pod on Wednesday. Andy will be back. And we will have some locker room times. So we'll make sure to tweet out when those will be. Aaron, I appreciate you as always, man. My, my pleasure. Now, where to, remind me now again. I got to get my merch. Where, where do I go? I'm going to ch- check your uh, the Twitter. Check the link check, in the Twitter. Check the Twitter. I'll shoot you the okay. link. Chapman, welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.